Chapter 3 of Hagar's Daughter, a story of Southern caste prejudice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hagar's Daughter, a story of Southern caste prejudice by pauline hopkins chapter three st clair ensign was the second son of an aristocratic maryland family he had a fiery temper that knew no bounds when once aroused motherless from infancy and born at a period in the life of his parents when no more children were expected he grew up wild and self-willed as his character developed it became evident that an unsavory future was before him there was no malicious mischief in which he was not found and older heads predicted that he would end on the gallows sensual cruel to ferocity he was a terror to the god-fearing community where he lived with women he was successful from earliest youth being possessed of the diabolical beauty of satan himself there was great rejoicing in the quiet village near which ensign hall was situated when it was known that the young scapegrace had gone to college the atmosphere of college life suited him well and he was soon the leader of the fastest set there he was the instigator of innumerable broils insulted his teachers and finally fought a duel killing his man instantly according to the code of honor at the time this was not murder but expulsion from the halls of learning followed for st clair and much to his surprise and chagrin his father who had always indulged and excused his acts as the thoughtlessness of a youth's high spirits was thoroughly enraged there was a curious scene between them and no one ever knew just what passed but it was ended by his father saying you have disgraced the name of ensign and now you dare make a joke to me of your wickedness let me not see your face in this house again henceforth until you have redeemed yourself by an honest man's career i have but one son your brother ellis as you please sir replied st clair nonchalantly as he placed the check his father handed him in his pocket bowed and passed from the room that was the last heard of him for five years when at his father's death he went home to attend the funeral by the terms of the will st clair received a small annuity to be enlarged at the discretion of his brother and in event of the latter's death without issue the estate was to revert to st clair's heirs if any there be who are an honor to the name of ensign was the wording of the will in the event of st clair's continuing in disgrace and having no honorable and lawful issue the property was to revert to a distant branch of cousins for i have no mind that debauchery and crime shall find a home at ensign hall after this st clair seemingly dropped his wildest habits but was still noted on all the river routes of the south as a reckless and daring gambler his man isaac was as much of a character as himself and many a game they worked together on the inexperienced and many a time but for isaac st clair would have fared ill at the hands of his victims isaac was given to his young master at the age of ten years the only saving grace about the scion of aristocracy appeared in his treatment of isaac master and slave were devoted to each other 
as a last resource young anson had gone in for politics and the luck that had recently deserted him at cards and dice favored him here the unsettled state of the country and the threatening war clouds were a boon to the tired child of chance which he hailed as harbingers of better times for recreant southern sons he would gain fame and fortune in the service of the new government all through the dramatic action of the next week when history made so fast in the united states when the south carolina convention declared that the union then subsisting between herself and other states of america was dissolved and her example followed by mississippi florida alabama georgia louisiana texas virginia arkansas north carolina and tennessee all through that time when politics reached the boiling point st clair although in the thickest of the controversy busy making himself indispensable to the officials of the new government was thinking of the heiress of ensign hall he was bitter over his loss and ready to blame anyone but himself in his opinion ellis was humdrum he was mild and peaceful in his disposition because his blood was too sluggish and his natural characteristics too womanish for the life of a gentleman then too ellis was old fifteen years his senior and he was twenty-five st clair shared the universal opinion of his world and to him the world did not exist north of the mason and dixon's line that a reckless career of gambling wine and women was the only true course of development for a typical southern gentleman as he thought of the infant heiress his face grew black with a frown of rage that for the time completely spoiled the beauty women raved over his man isaac furtively watching him from the corner of his eye said to himself i know dat dare's gwine to be a rippet master st clair never looked dat away without the devil himself and broke loose in which view of the case isaac was about right st clair made up his mind to go home and see this fair woman who had come to blast his hopes and steal his patrimony for her children perhaps as she was young and presumably susceptible something might be done he was handsome ah well and he laughed a wicked laugh at his reflection in the mirror he would trust to luck to help him out he ordered isaac to pack up good lord massa st clair i thought you'd be done settled here for good how comes we go right off we're going home isaac to see the new mistress ensign and my niece haven't i told you that your master ellis was married and had a daughter bless my soul no sir replied isaac dropping the clothes he held upon the floor his master left the room now de lord help de mistress and de little baby i love my master but he's a born devil he's just gwine home to tear up brass dat's de whole collusion of de mystery st clair ensign took passage on board the planter which was ready to start upon its last trip up chesapeake bay before going into the service of the confederate government at that time this historic vessel was a side-wheel steamer storing about fourteen hundred bales of cotton as freight but having accommodations for a moderate number of passengers no one of the proud supporters of the new government dreamed of her ultimate fate the position of the south was defined and given to the world with a loud flourish of trumpets by their reasoning a few short months would make them the masters of the entire country wedded to their idols they knew not the force of the dire arms which omnipotence would wield upon the side of right 
one of the most daring and heroic adventures of the civil war was successfully accomplished by a party of negroes robert small commanding when the rebel gunboat the planter ran by the forts and batteries of charleston harbor and reaching the flagship wabash was duly received into the service of the united states government st clair ensign went on board the steamer with mixed feelings of triumph and chagrin triumph because of the place he had made for himself in the councils of the new government and the adulation meted out to him by the public chagrin because of his brother-in-law's new family ties and his own consequent poverty for a while he wandered aimlessly about resisting all the tempting invitations extended by his numerous admirers in the sporting and political world to have something at the glittering bar but his pockets were empty they always were and he finally allowed himself to be cajoled to join in a quiet game in the hope of replenishing his purse where he saw the chances were all in his favor the saloon was alight with music and gaiety the jolly company of travelers and the gaudy furniture were reflected many times over in the gilded mirrors that caught the rays of a large chandelier depending from the center of the ceiling to the eye and ear merriment held high carnival some strolled about many sought the refreshment bar but the greater number men and even women took part in the play or bet lightly on the players sotto voce for pastime the clink and gleam of gold was there as it passed from hand to hand six men at a table played baccarat farther on a party of very young people both sexes played loo for small stakes there were quartets of whist players too but the most popular game was poker for high stakes made by reckless and inveterate gamblers st clair and his party found an empty table and isaac obedient to a sign from his master brought him the box containing implements for a game of poker all the men were inveterate gamblers but ensign was an expert gradually the onlookers gathered about that one particular table not a word was said the men gripped their cards and held their breaths with now and then an oath to punctuate a loss more severe than usual the slave trader walker sauntered up to the place where st clair sat and stood behind him what's the stakes he asked of his next neighbor the man addressed smiled significantly not a bagatelle to begin with they've raised them three times whoo with a whistle and who is winning oh ensign of course why of course asked walker with a wicked smile on his ugly face he always wins i reckon not now returned walker as he pointed to the play just made he's dealing above board and square and looks again him it was true from this time on ensign played again and again and lost the other players left their seats and stood near watching the famous gambler make his play finally with a muttered curse he staggered up from his chair and started to leave the table with desperate eyes and a reeling gait but he stopped as if struck by a sudden inspiration and resumed his seat what will he do now was the unspoken thought of the crowd isaac come here called out ensign i will see you and five hundred better he continued addressing his opponent as the boy approached and at a signal from him climbed upon the table the crowd watched the strange scene in breathless silence what price do you set on the boy asked the winner whose name was johnson taking a large roll of bills from his pocket 
he will bring eighteen hundred dollars any day in the new orleans market i reckon he ain't no ways vicious asked johnson looking into the negro's smiling face i've never seen him angry i'll give you fifteen hundred for him eighteen returned ensign with an ominous tightening about his mouth well i'll tell you what i'll do the very best i'll make it sixteen hundred no more no less that's fair is it a bargain ensign nodded assent the crowd heaved a sigh of relief then you bet the whole of this boy do you continued johnson yes i call you then said johnson i've got three queens replied ensign not enough said the other then if you beat three queens you beat me i have four jacks and the boy is mine the crowd heaved another sigh as one man hold on not so fast shouted ensign you don't take him till you show me that you've beat three queens johnson threw his five cards upon the table and four of them were jacks sure said johnson as he looked at ensign and then at the crowd sure came in a hoarse roar from many throats for a moment all things whirled and danced before ensign's eyes as he realized what he had lost the lights from the chandelier shot out sparkles from piles of golden coin the table heaved faces were indistinct he seemed to hear his father's voice again in stern condemnation as he had heard it for the last time on earth his face was white and set he was a man ready for desperate needs it seemed an hour to him that short second then he turned to the winner mr johnson i quit you isaac was standing upon the table with the money at his feet as he stepped down johnson said you will not forget that you belong to me no sir be up in time to brush my clothes and clean my boots do you hear yes sir responded isaac with a good-natured smile and a long side glance at ensign in which one might have seen the lurking deviltry of a spirit kindred to his masters ensign turned to leave the saloon saying i claim the right of redeeming that boy mr johnson my father gave him to me when i was a lad i promised never to part with him most certainly sir the boy shall be yours whenever you hand me over a cool sixteen hundred returned johnson as ensign moved away chewing the bitter curd of disappointment walker strolled up to him that's a bad bargain johnson's got in your man mr ensign how explain yourself if he finds him after tomorrow morning it's my belief it won't be the fault of isaac's legs do you mean to say sir that i would connive at robbing a gentleman in fair play oh no it won't be your fault replied walker with a familiar slap on ensign's back that made the latter wince but he's a cute darky that you can sell in good faith to a man but he won't stay with him bet you the nigger'll be in baltimore time you are i'll take you make your bet walter shook his head no don't you do it luck's agin you and i won't rob you that nigger'll lose you sure ensign made no reply but stood gazing moodily out upon the dark waters of the atlantic through which the steamer swiftly plowed her way finally walker continued why don't you try another game keep it up luck may change i'll lend you ensign waved his hand impatiently and said no no more tonight. i have not a cent in the world until i eat humble pie and beg money from my brother tough thank you i do not want your sympathy my help then perhaps i can help you 
Ensign smiled derisively at the endless black waves and the moonless sky. No man can do that. I have made my bed hard and must abide the issue. Oh, rot. Be a man and keep on fighting em. You'll be all right presently. Never say die. Perhaps you have a plan to compass the impossible, returned Ensign with a sneer. I should say so. I've been thinking a good deal about your brother's marriage and my old friends, the sergeants. What would it be worth to you now to find a way to break off this marriage? Break it off? Why, man, that can't be done. What are you driving at? Easy there now. I said break it off, and I meant break it off. They used to tell me when I was a boy that two heads were better than one if one was a sheep's head. Same case here. Job's worth ten thou. I can see three thou right in sight. That would make your bill about seven thou. Walker settled his hat at the back of his head, thrust his hands deep in his hip pockets, and gazed out over the dark waters with a glance from his ferret-like gray eyes that seemed to pierce the blackness. I don't understand you, Walker. Explain yourself. I understand myself, and that's enough. All you've got to do is put your I.O.U. to a paper calling for $7,000 conditional on my rendering you valuable service in a financial matter. Savvy? I'd do anything that would break this cursed luck I'm having. Can you do anything? What do you mean, anyhow, Walker? Never mind what I mean. You meet me at Ensign Hall. Wait for me if you get there first. Be ready to sign the paper, and I'll show you as neat a job as was ever put up by any man on earth. That's all. Walker turned as he finished speaking and walked away. St. Clair looked after him, uncertain what to think of his strange words and actions. End of chapter 3